Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything E-Mob podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and I want to say, before we get started today, I want to kind of change things up on the podcast. I don't want to just come at you for 20 minutes and talk to you about the ups and downs of K-State basketball. I want to schedule this out a little bit better. So going forward with each episode, obviously we have about a week of basketball to talk about every time we come live with a podcast. I've pretty much chosen out 10 different topics I want to talk about each episode, and I'm going to try to spend two-ish minutes, give or take, on each topic and hit you with some rapid-fire thoughts. This week will be focused most on TCU because I'm coming up with the actual idea for the different topics after the first game we played this week. The TCU game is a great game to start with, and I know that going forward, this trend is really going to continue in the right direction, and I hope to get better every week with it. So with that being said, I want to start moving on to the first topic here, and we're going to talk about Keontae Johnson. I mean, this guy is unbelievable on the basketball court. There is not a player in the country that I'd be more scared to defend. And obviously that's me, a 5'11", 150-60-pound guy. I'm not 6'3", playing defense. I don't have to stare this guy in the face. Thankfully, because he's unbelievable with the basketball in his hands. When Keontae's on the court, every single commentator wants to talk about him like he's a linebacker or a tight end or whatever cliche you can think of that basically just says he's a football player's body playing the game of basketball. There is so much more to his game than meets the eye. Keontae obviously is physically imposing. Everyone in the country knows how tough this guy is. He's a nightmare to defend. He's a nightmare for coaches to work against. But the thing that people forget is he has a legitimate jump shot. Every single time he pulls up, it is great form, it's great follow-through, and it looks like it's going in every shot Keontae puts up. And you saw that against TCU. He played limited minutes, and we'll talk about the foul trouble a little bit going forward, but you continue to see him shoot the three ball effectively. This is the third consecutive week we've seen Johnson pull up from three and be really effective with the basketball in his hands. I would almost make an argument, and I know it's early. I know it is early, and I know people are going to come for me for this one. I would almost make the argument that Keontae Johnson is a top three player, athletically, to ever wear a K-State jersey. If you think about this, we've had some greats in our game. Obviously, Michael Beasley was unbelievable. No one's going to debate me. That guy is incredible. Jacob Poland, genetic freak, athlete, fear the beard. There's a lot of guys that have played for us that have just been unbelievable. Rolando Blackman, for one. Keontae Johnson has a legitimate shot to be in that conversation. That's something I've noticed every week watching K-State basketball, and I hope you guys have seen that too. We're going to continue to see that develop, and I'll come mention that a little bit going forward. But the biggest thing with Keontae we need to talk about His foul trouble is a real issue for K-State. He has missed so many minutes on the court. He's limited to nine and a half minutes of basketball in the first half with two quick fouls, both of them offensively. And it's not to say that he's just running dudes over, he's doing certain things. Johnson had three first-half offensive fouls called against him. And you can blame it on the officiating, you can blame it on the players, whatever you want to do. It was so egregious that Keontae Johnson's own mother tweeted about the officiating in this basketball game. I've got the tweet for you here. Nika Johnson, Keontae's mom, tweets, I don't know what my son did to these refs, but my God, with an exclamation point. I think everybody's agreeing. It's a problem to see Keontae exit the court that early, and it's happened three straight games because of the offensive fouls. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's only officiating, it's only this, it's only that, but Keontae coming around the corner has to find a way to get around these charges. He's got to find a way to not take these charges. He is too valuable to K-State on the court. As you can see, Nobody can stop the guy. Nobody can stop him. I assume that's something Coach Tang will address, and I assume it'll be something they'll work on in practice. But at some point, you get to the point where it's just, if a referee or an officiating crew is calling a lot of offensive fouls, Keontae's got to play off ball. I don't think we can have him in this isolation offense where he's at the top of the key and driving to the lane. 
That's really what I want to see improve for K-State. Because there's guys that can make shots all around the court. And it's not to say that Keontae Johnson can't drive, but I have a real reason to be afraid that going forward, every single officiating crew is going to be watching Keontae Johnson like a hawk. The offensive fouls are a concern, and it's a worry, and it was against TCU. There's one player in the entire country that can stop Keontae, and that player's name is Keontae Johnson. Foul trouble and restricted minutes are killing Keontae. He's the second best player in terms of scoring in the Big 12, right behind KU's Jalen Wilson. Johnson's averaging 19 points a game. When you have a guy like that sitting on your bench, he's not able to score 19 points a game. He's in that 10 to 12 category. And no matter what, these offensive fouls have to be addressed. Whether it's Johnson putting in extra work, moving around screens, or just knowing when to bail out when he's driving, there's got to be a change. Because I would be more inclined to believe that Keontae Johnson needs to change than I do the officiating needs to change. Not because I think they're actually charges, but I don't think the officiating is going to change. If anything, they're going to be watching it even closer because they've seen the record of what's been happening in the past games. Officiating crews don't change to address things that happen. It's very like, okay, this guy's a repeated trash talker. We're going to watch him a little bit closer for technicals. This guy tends to flail when he shoots jump shots. We're going to not give him the fouls we think he needs to. There's a lot of difference and there's a little bit of a bias built up. And Johnson has slowly been in that wheel where he's building up this negative inflection of, hey, when I drive, it's more of a charge than it is a blocking foul. That's the issue I see for K-State. Next, let's talk about another thing. Tyke Green gave us the most important minutes of his entire season. And does anybody else find it interesting that for a guy who hasn't seen the floor this much, his two biggest games have come against the same team in TCU. The only two times this season Tyke Green has broken 10 points have both been against TCU. Maybe that's a scouting thing. Maybe Coach Tang is saying, all right, he had an effective game last time against TCU. Let's bring him back in, put him more. We saw a lack of Naquan Tomlin in this game, and a lot of that was filled by Tyke Green. Even though they're not feeling the same dynamic, it's still a player for a player. Tyke Green grabbed the minutes that Ish Masood and Naquan Tomlin left out there. And Tyke played huge. He was lobbing down everything. He was throwing down every single dunk, lobs, in the paint, lays. He was doing everything he could under the rim. And nobody on TCU could stop him, which I am thrilled about. And I don't know if it's a thing to say, hey, Tyke is just a great player. He just hasn't gotten the right role. We haven't figured out where he's at. Tyke is a great player for K-State. And the combination of him and Desi Sills were the absolute drivers in this basketball game. Marquise Noel is going to get his. That's just the way it is. He's going to score 18, 20 points. He's going to have seven or eight assists a game. He's a great player. What you don't expect is guys like Tyke Green and Desi Sills each and every week in 21 minutes, had 9 rebounds and 13 points as an undersized guard. That is incredible. K-State's a rebounding, struggling team. We struggle with rebounds. We struggle defensively, offensively. Tyke Green was all over the boards, and he's not even close to the biggest guy on the court, but he played big. The majority of his points were all points in the paint, which is something that TCU was really good at defending. Not today. Eddie Lampkin was banged up. A couple of guys from TCU just weren't really clicking. Tyke Green seized that opportunity and put up huge minutes for the Cats down the stretch. There wasn't as much of a need for a Naquan Tomlin, an Ish Masood, Bebe Abayola, massive game. I'm not going to discredit Bebe by any means. But when Tyke Green was in the game, that was the mismatch. He filled that Keontae Johnson role where it was a, hey, we need a physical guard who's going to go downhill, even though Keontae's listed as a forward. In my heart, he's a 2-3 guard. We need a guy like Tyke Green to come in and make some disrupting to pull the offensive spark that we need to get things going. Because for a while, K-State fell back into that, oh no, we got five minutes left, we're up by eight, Marquise just dribbled out the clock. We still got five minutes to go, you take care of this. Coach Tang calls a timeout, 
Tyke Green comes in and plays massive. Quick lob in off the alley-oop where he flew 13 and a half feet in the air to dunk it. K-State's a good team, and when guys like Tyke Green and Desi Sills are coming in and producing, it makes a world of difference. That's the difference for K-State in this TCU game. It wasn't a Keontae Johnson sighting, and it wasn't a Marquise Noel sighting, even though Marquise still put up a bunch of points and affected the game greatly. Tyke Green was the difference maker, and I was so happy to watch it happen. The other big thing that keeps us in basketball games, not just with TCU, but every game of the season, Jerome Tang might have the brightest mind for basketball on the inbounds plays of any coach I've ever seen. It seems like every time K-State needs a bucket or the ball's padded out of bounds or K-State calls a timeout, coming out of that timeout or the inbounds play, it's always a free layup under the basket or an alley-oop or a wide-open look. Tang finds a way to get these guys all on the same page on an inbound perspective and put the ball in the hole. I've never seen that with Bruce Weber-led teams. The majority of college basketball teams on inbounds plays just loft it up to their center, try to get the ball to a guard, and they set up the offense from there. It's almost as if there's no point in running an inbounds play for certain teams. Jerome Tang says, screw that. We're going to run every single intricate inbound play possible, and it somehow always gets to the cup, whether it's Tyke Green and a little putback. We've seen that little sneak down play with Keontae Johnson where Bebe comes and sets a pick, and Keontae is a free and one, basically, because everyone will hack the guy right into the basket. And we've seen wide-open threes for Ish Masood, and we've seen Desi Sills, we've seen Marquise Noel put up wide-open looks off an inbound play as the guy inbounding the ball. It's just a little give-and-go. There's these handoffs that K-State runs that I don't think any team in the country will be able to figure out, especially this season. Obviously, the Big 12 title is going to be a rough road ahead, but if K-State wants to keep making a push for contesting and even going deep in March, these inbound plays from Jerome Tang have been massive. Next up, we've got a bit of a problem. And I don't know if you're seeing it the same way I am, but I have reason to believe that Naquan Tomlin in the low post is a defensive liability. I don't say those words lightly. I don't want to say the guy can't play or he won't play, but when any bigger body is in the low block with Naquan Tomlin, unless somehow Naquan Tomlin can find a way to get his hands on the basketball, Tomlin gives up a bucket, a foul, or an and one in the worst case scenario. Eddie Lampkin, when he was healthy, had a field day. Every single Big 12 player that's played in the low post against Tomlin has found a way around the guy, and Tomlin has to sit down with foul trouble. Fortunately for the Cats, Eddie Lampkin was banged up this game, so he really wasn't affected the entire game in the low post. We did a great job of defending, but the difference was Tomlin got pulled once TCU started to go on their runs, because he was giving up a lot of the buckets on the low block. We then summoned Tyke Green, not one for one, but he just filled a different role, Brought in Keontae again in the second half. Bebe being one of the massive defensive performers in this game with three drawn charges against TCU. That's huge. When Tomlin exited the game, our defense found a way to perform. We kept TCU to their lowest score all season. That's huge. I don't know if it's something that's just a growing concern. I don't know if it's an end-all, be-all. I don't know if it's the truth, if it's a consistency, but that's just what I'm seeing on the defensive end of the court. And you can let me know. Let me know what you think about that because it's been a problem consistently. When you look back at game film, when you look back at some of the box scores, Tomlin isn't really producing the way a lot of us thought he would. And it's not to say he can't. It's not to say he won't. That's just what I'm seeing right now. For K-State fans, this one might hurt. The Octagon of Doom is one of the best places in the entire country to play. How come, and I want to ask this from the bottom of my heart, from the depths of my soul, How come our home court advantage doesn't feel like a home court advantage outside of the level of noise? Outside of the toughness to communicate in a huddle for opposing teams, 
how come our officiating crew doesn't react with the crowd? How come the officiating crew that calls K-State games at home in Bramlage doesn't react the way the home referees do in Ames or in Lawrence or any of these other Big 12 places like Texas where when the home crowd reacts to something, the crowd can convince them. The home crowd can convince the officiating staff to call calls differently based off the reaction of the crowd. And you can say I'm crazy, you can say it's not the case, but I would find it hard to believe that any of these teams, except for maybe like TCU or an Oklahoma State, or these teams that don't have that much of a home presence relative to their away game, those home crowds are changing calls night in and night out. Texas has that. Even OU has that a little bit. Kansas has one of the most home court advantages in the entire country. And it's not to say that they don't deserve it. It's not to say that any of these teams are just having, oh, well, it's unfair to other teams. It is unfair. But that's basketball. That's college basketball. Bramlage is loud as hell constantly. That's just the way things are. We need to find a way to start getting some pushback on the officials to get some of that influence into the next level where our fans can affect the game differently rather than just chanting different swear words at the referees. We have to find a way to genuinely get through to the fact of, hey, this is a tough place to play. You're not going to get any free calls your way. The way it is for every team on the road in Lawrence, the way it is for every team on the road in Ames, K-State has to establish that going forward. And I don't know how. I'm not suggesting like I know the answer. I don't know all the answers. I'm just pointing at it. I'm saying this is something we can do. I don't know how you go about doing it. I don't know if you have to file a letter or send mail to the referee officiating committee and say, hey guys, uh, next time you show up to Brailman, let's just call all the calls K-State's way. That's what we should do. They'll look at me like I'm stupid. There's no difference in that. But if this is truly going to get back to the octagon of doom days, that's what I'm looking for as a fan. I want to see calls that clearly are obviously a foul. Referees miss that for us. Referees will miss that just because we're the home team. That's what I want to see going forward. I don't know if we will. I don't know if it's a guarantee. But I think that with one of the best home courts in the entire Big 12 and the entire country, K-State is deserving of that. That being said, on the topic of officiating, Doug Sermons had one of the best officiated games I've seen of a referee all season. And that's not just to say K-State won by 21, so I wasn't looking as close. There was a couple of missed calls. That's going to happen every game. But it was pretty even on the missed calls in my mind. There was one foul down the stretch late that I was like, ooh, TCU, they didn't get helped with that one, to say the least. But Doug Sermons was the far away official on the end of the court towards K-State, watching across the court. He spotted a couple of fouls far away from the basket and overturned calls to get at the right call from a far away spot. He didn't really have the vantage point, but they kept referring to him on the broadcast as Doug Eagle-Eyes Sermons, and it was kind of true in this game. I was blown away. The guy overturned calls from the other officials on the court in K-State's favor where there's a tip ball and it was clearly off TCU. The other two just said, nah, turnover. Doug Sermons called a foul because he saw the foul where the guy wrapped Desi Sills' arm. It was plain and obvious. Everybody knew it watching it. There was one foul on Marquise Noel where I wouldn't have seen it. He elbowed the TCU player right in the chest, called the foul. But it was a far away spot. It's probably 50 feet from the court, 50 feet from the play. Still saw that. I want to give credit to Doug Sermons. I hope he officiates more games, man. I hope that his crew specifically is there because that dude wasn't afraid of anything. He's basically telling both teams, like, dude, this is what I saw. Okay, don't argue with me. This is what I saw. But it wasn't from a point of, I'll kick you out if you argue with me. He's like, I'll go take a look, but I know what I saw. Sees what he sees, comes back, nothing's changing. This is the way it happens. This is what happened. And if there was a bad call called, he would still get the opportunity to overturn it. He'd go over and say, no, 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 there's a foul here. There's a loose ball foul. This wasn't just a plain plain and simple tip. This wasn't a turnover. It's a loose ball foul. Doug Sermons had the power and the initiative to stand up, and I want to give him a huge shout-out because I've never seen that in Big 12 basketball. There's never been a game where I've said, this was great officiating tonight. Usually I'm upset one way or the other. Even if I'm seeing it from the other team's point of view, 
If you see those bad calls, you understand what the other team's going through. Tonight was a good night. Two more topics to go here before we wrap things up. One of them is that K-State's road ahead is going to be tough to win the Big 12. I'm not going to sit here and say it's possible, but I'm also not going to say it's impossible. K-State got TCU at the perfect time. I never wish for injuries for anybody, but when they happen in your favor, you kind of just have to stay quiet and don't say anything about it. K-State got a banged-up Eddie Lampkin, who really shot the ball once in pregame warm-up, looked over to the bench, shook his head no, still was active just to try to influence the game. He was vastly unproductive, didn't do anything the entire game, but he was on the court, so I want to give him, I want to commend him for getting out there and showing that toughness. Mike Miles, the best player for TCU, one of the best players in the, in the Big 12. Right up there with Marquise Noel, Jalen Wilson, Keontae Johnson, he's on that same level. He's an unbelievable guard for the TCU Horned Frogs. He couldn't go. He hyperextended his knee a couple weeks ago. The timetable for his return is coming back soon, but he's not going to be full yet. By March and that March deadline, right before the tournament, he should be back in the full swing of things, hopefully up to game speed, just as a basketball fan. K-State got TCU in the exact right time in this case. Well, I'm not thanking the stars above. I'm not saying any prayers for it, but I am very grateful that K-State didn't have to play a fully stocked TCU team because we handed them back that 14-point loss they gave to us. We handed them a 21-point loss at home. After that horrible game against TCU, after we'd started off so hot and beat so many good teams, we get routed by TCU. We handed it right back. Here it is. And not only that, it's not just a Keontae Johnson, it's not just a Marquise Noel beating you guys, it's Tyke Green and Desi Sills. Here you guys go. Handed it to him. That was massive. And TCU got a serving of their own medicine. Good job, Cats. Good on you. Because I could not stand another loss from TCU. That team is tough, that team's athletic, but they just didn't have enough playmakers, and they were too banged up to beat K-State. K-State was clearly and obviously the better team in this matchup. And now, as the last topic, I want to talk about history. History is a beautiful thing. We study it so it doesn't repeat itself. How about basketball history? How about college basketball history? When college basketball history happens, when you break a record that's been standing for years, you have to salute the guy. You have to stand there and look at it and see what happened. Marquise Noel broke one of the longest-standing K-State basketball records of all time tonight. Marquise Noel, through Sidelines K-State, I'm going to give a shout-out to them on Twitter, Marquise Noel's broken the K-State men's basketball record for the most assists in a single season with 187. Noel breaks the 35-year-old record set by Steve Henson in the 1987-1988 season. Welcome to the history books, Marquise. So here's the thing to think about. 187 assists is a ton of assists. I'm not going to discredit that. But that was a full season of basketball in the 80s. That was a full season of 186 assists by Henson. Marquise Noel still has the entire month of February and a ton of basketball ahead of him. He's got the entire month of February and a little bit into March. Just to finish off that assist record, that should be well above 220. Is that a safe bet? 230? How many more assists do we think Marquise can get in that time frame? 60 more assists? It's possible when the guy's averaging just under nine on the season. Congratulations, Marquise Noel. That is massive history. But if you can get that number to 250, nobody will ever, ever break that record. Let me just say that right now. That being said, this has been an awesome week of the Everything Emon podcast. And going forward, I want to continue the positive trend with the different topics and come at you with different ideas. This next week's podcast, I want to grab ideas from all out the week. It won't just be from one game specifically. I'll have a little bit more subject matter to talk about as K-State takes on Texas Tech, followed by Oklahoma. We've got a couple of big games ahead, and I cannot wait to bring you my 10 thoughts. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Everything Emon podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. If you can, let us know what you think of the show. Go ahead and react to it, respond to it. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about the podcast. I am so grateful you spent time today listening to me, hearing my thoughts, 
and I can't wait to bring you more going forward. Go Cats!